Today on the B2B Power Hour, I'll be talking to my friend Chad Croker, co-founder of Clear Motive, an industrial marketing specialist. And we're going to be diving deep into his ABM expertise, discussing his recent advertising adventure, and how it all ties together with sales. Let's go. Hello, hello. What's new and exciting on the other side? Oh man, well, we just launched our our campaign just a few days ago, actually. And the first time in 18 years of business that we've actually advertised ourselves. That is surprisingly common in the marketing yeah. world. Yeah, it's crazy. But it's, man, it's it's super exciting. What'd you guys roll out? Did you do a couple different channels? Did- so we're doing a LinkedIn campaign, advertising carousel, right directly to a landing page. And the landing page has a brochure download and opportunity to book an appointment uh, directly through the landing page. So it's pretty cool. It's just, it's, it's nice to have data that you can start tweaking and playing with and actually making some changes and seeing the companies that you know, are, are viewing your product and, you know, just making your brand aware to, you know, different, different companies in the U S it's pretty cool. So I'm like a kid in a candy shop right now. I, I realized the past couple of weeks that we're kind of going back to the basics and, and finding, and in a good way, but they're, everybody loves to give it different names, but account-based marketing, account-based sales. We used to get a hundred accounts as salespeople and they, they weren't a hit list. They were companies that we had to put on the radar. And so we'd look at the chain of command. We'd learn about the company and we'd watch for opportunities, whether it was Google alerts or like social media. And, and that was, you know, later, later in the years before that, it was newsletters and shareholders reports and, you know, snail mail, all the stuff that you could get your hands on where, you know, we're in such a cool world now where this is all available, but I've been getting a lot of questions about, so what the hell is account-based marketing and why should I care? I thought, what a better person than to ask than chat. Well, you know, I, I think, I think that really what it comes down to is, you know, oftentimes we all ask our customers, you know, what's your list? Because I'm ultimately account-based marketing is, is really just marketing exclusively to a buying group, right? So what we oftentimes talk about is that it's easy to think about a particular ideal customer, right? So you can think about a role, you can think about a title, um, you can think about a business, but when you think about it as a buying group, sometimes the, the answer changes, right? So if you think about, okay, so for right now, you know, I'll just use our campaign as an example. I mean, we've been you know, of course, doing this for our clients for years, but this is the first time that we're doing it for ourselves. And I'm finding it to be very interesting because I see things like, of course, you know, within developing your your campaign, you can identify different roles, you can identify different type of, you know, geography. I mean, that's, I think, what has changed a lot over the last few years is as people are using you know, platforms like LinkedIn, we'll just use as an example, as they're using them so much more and doing so much more research online and making themselves available and reading content online and all of that kind of stuff. As that has continued to grow, you now have way more opportunity to identify individual people within the buying group of the company that you're going after. So we're starting to see sales specialist, we'll see sales manager, we'll see president, we'll see CEO, we'll see operations director, like we'll see all these different titles. And then you can then decide that, like for right now, we've got, you know, 67% of the people that are coming to our landing page are sales specialists. 
So now we can decide, okay, well, is that, you know, a commissioned sales rep that's just looking for like our promotion is industrial marketing, get your product in front of your ideal customer in eight weeks, right? That's our, our sales campaign or our marketing campaign. And so we might have a lot of commissioned salespeople that are just curious and they go and take a look at our, our landing page and we're paying for every click that comes in. We're not paying for the impression, which is cool, right? We're getting tons of impressions. We're getting, you know, I think in the last 24 hours, we had 97 click throughs or something, right? So, so we might then decide that we can now take them out of the mix, right? If we identify that, well, these are commissioned salespeople, they might not necessarily be exactly our target audience. But when we start off with the campaign, we'll go, yeah, we want everybody with sales in their title to be part of our prospect list. Then what starts to happen is what's really cool is we're starting to see all of these businesses that are coming up that are within our target audience, right? So even if it's a commissioned salesperson, as an example, you know, we found this company called Lawndale Corporation, never heard of them. You know, they're based out of Chicago. We go and take a look at it and we're like, oh, these guys are right in our target. Hmm. And it's cool because now that gives us a prospect list. So, you know, in talking with our customers, it's like, okay, it's great to talk about account-based marketing, but then the immediate next question is, well, where am I getting the list or who are we going to start targeting? And oftentimes, like, I mean, Tyler and I have often said over the years, like, who would we like to do work for? Oh, well, Let's just think about brands that we really like, or let's talk about different companies that we respect for a certain reason, but you're kind of just, you know, pulling names off the top of your head. And you're only well, getting to like 10 or 20, and then you're trying to do like lookalike or something and you're kind of stuck. Yeah, exactly. And we, you know, we've, we've done projects for companies that they'll know, okay, well, we've got, you know, 10 or 15 companies that these are exactly who we're going after. We know the geographic region, we know, you know, we can do whether it's a direct mail campaign to them or do, you know, some social you know, posting directly to them that would reveal directly to them, you know, you write your copy with them in mind, like account-based marketing is so deep that it's hard to just say, okay, well, this is, I mean, ultimately it's having an ideal customer profile in your head and going, we're going to go after this type of company. As soon as you move it from this type of company to this company, it changes everything in your head and it changes your copy and it changes your advertising language. It changes your content. It changes the way that you're understanding the conversion process to be, right? How how that particular company is going to evaluate. I know if I'm writing a content piece and I have a particular type of person in a particular type of business, in an actual business, and I feel like I'm writing to that person, it's way more targeted than if I'm just like, oh, I'm going to blanket to like marketing professionals. Well, that's you know, basically useless in today's day and age, right? I mean, we have so much more statistics and content, you know, that understanding of who our ideal customers are. So, you know, that allows us to be way more targeted, way more specific, and ultimately way more relevant, you know, so that it comes back into all the old cliches that we hear of content is king and all that kind of stuff, because we actually know who we're talking to. Uh, they have that bifurcation effect where it, the people that, you you know, people like us say things like this, because you have them in mind, you're speaking like them, you're speaking to totally. them. But the one thing I keep hearing is, well, I went on sales navigator and I built my account list. That's, that's great. They're like, but I don't have the tech. I don't have the, you know, the tech stack to go and make it happen. I need some, you know, demand base or some six cents yeah. or something to go and do my intent channels. I, as a salesperson, think they missed the point, but I'm curious, do you think that you have to have tech and a a robust tech stack to do this right? 
Yeah, if you're going to play to win. I mean, and I say that, I say that intentionally because the the short answer is, of course. I mean, you're, you're speaking to someone who is incredibly biased because I've seen people work without technology and I've seen people work with technology and there's no comparison. So mm. the answer is yes, of course. But the thing that happens is I was just reading an article the other day. I was talking about statistically, I think it was less than 30% of the investment is actually captured in technology. So, you know, you mentioned Sixth Sense or, you know, Pipedrive or Marketo or HubSpot, name, you know, whatever investment your business has made into, you know, some type of automation technology. The chances of your team using it, number one, right, is like it, it requires change management, mm. right? It's, it, it's not like, I mean, all of these softwares, they have, you know, 30 day tests and they have all these different things that you can do to make it super easy, right? I mean, these are, these are very sophisticated businesses that have learned how to convert somebody from not knowing, you know, much about technology to sales marketing technology, to understanding the basics of automation and kind of like easing you into the process. They've got, you know, excellent technical experts and salespeople and people that will, you know, consult to help you through the process. But you're still dealing with a mindset. And, you know, for this conversation, I'll use two mindsets. You've got the mindset of the leader of the business, mm -hmm. right? That is looking at whether that's a financial leader or, or, you know, whoever is responsible ultimately for increasing revenue of the company. They'll want to bring in all of these things because the theory of automation is great, right? If I can get my sales team to do this and, you know, send out these nurture emails and, you know, utilize automation, which we talk about, I mean, I think a lot of this has to do with let's pull away from the jargon and just talk about what is, you know, automation software. It is just the ability to reuse labor. In my mind, I think that's the most important thing to understand is if you can get your salespeople or biz dev or whatever your titles or roles in your company, the people that are, are responsible for increasing revenue by new leads and prospects and things like that, if you can get them to help them to understand that you can reuse the work that you're doing. So just look at the last product that you sold and what was the process and what were the milestones that brought them from not being aware that they maybe even had a problem to them being aware that they have a problem to being aware that there is a solution out there to being aware that your product is the solution to their problem to them evaluating you against your competitors to then going into you know the con the conversion process and ultimately the purchase process right i mean that is what our world is about yeah. and so if you start to just look very simply on what those milestones are then I can have a conversation with a salesperson for 45 minutes and get a pretty good understanding of what the major milestones are. Okay. So if you now get somebody that came in as a lead from your website and you wrote them this email, well, now you can use that, that, that mm -hmm. you can use and put it into your email nurturing program. And, you know, so a lot of it is really just kind of like repetitive process, but understanding that it's, that it's legitimate change and, you know, having somebody that's used to just, going and buying dinners and beers and taking people out and taking that mindset and changing it to let's try and do that process digitally, not because it's necessarily more efficient from your business, but it's because that's the only way that your customers are actually interested in buying from you, right? Like yeah. we, we all have to respond to the way that people are, are receiving content these days. And I mean, call it, you know, pandemic sort of pushed us forward or, you know, just timed it or whatever. But I mean, a lot of people are working more remotely than they ever have.
And so they're, you know, I'm buying my groceries through Instacart now and I'm not, you know, it's amazing to not have to walk through the lines at Costco. Yeah. <laughs> buying stuff online, have it sent directly to your door and it's just so easy. And even it's incredible. I've been thinking of like the Netflix deep dive and you were talking about gated content. I'm, I'm on this balance. I'm on the fence now where I don't know if I like gated content because what I've seen happen with my content is, and I need to be better at using the same hashtag so people can find it easier in LinkedIn. That's a different topic for another day, but people do this deep dive. I'll see them kind of show up on the radar and then all of a sudden they, they never leave. And I'll see, you know, they'll watch one video and then they'll do, you know, another 10 or 20. And now they're part of that community. Do you think that we should be looking at how we gate our content or just, it doesn't really matter? Well, one of my first jobs was as a, a help desk analyst at Precision Drilling. I remember one day driving through downtown Calgary and I was like, I want to work at one of those big high rises. That would be super awesome. At, you know, 17 years old. And so I was working on the 52nd floor of the Petro Canada Tower. You know, I'm dating myself here, but I, w- I just loved it. And I remember that, you know, being a technical analyst, you change one thing and you test it. Because if you go in there and you're doing all of these things like this gated content and this downloadable brochure that's not gated and you've got this landing, like start with a basic, right? Like lay out your foundation. You have a landing page with the correct headline that is spoken to an ideal customer and, you know, allowing them to kind of walk through that process with you. And I love that you said creating that community because that's exactly what it is. It's like, you've now got a community of ideal customer prospects that now at least understand which, we talk a lot about messaging hierarchy because, you know, like we focus on industrial manufacturing companies. And so you you have engineers that have gone through all of, you know, the process that they've gone to, to create an innovative product that is helping solve a problem for their customer and you get talking to them and they're already seven levels deep before you even start, right? Like we always say, it's tough to see the label when you're sitting inside. If I've engineered a product, right? For the last 15 years, I've been building this product to be more and more and more efficient. Like they'll go in super deep immediately. And it's like, you have to be an engineer to even understand it. Hmm. So oftentimes the first thing is like, let's just get the messaging so that it's easily understand. Yeah. Right. So it's like, let's not immediately start talking about gated content. And let's just get a landing page that says, this is what we do. I was just writing content for a 3D scanning company this morning. And, you know, I, I now after going through workshops with them and understanding the product, you know, like a B2C, like a business to consumer brand, you basically from writing content, from marketing content is like, understand the product and make it. Yeah. In a, in a B2B environment, oftentimes there's another piece in the middle, which is be technically accurate. So, Incredible and technically accurate. Right. Like understand the product. Okay. So now I understand 3D scanning and what the benefits are. Here's technically what we do that is different than anybody else. And then that's a lot of times where businesses stop and they're wondering why their marketing doesn't work because you haven't made it compelling yet. It's technically accurate, but it, it's not, you know, like you, you haven't gone you know, you're at level five in terms of messaging hierarchy and you need to go four, three, two, one. Into sales. Companies. Yeah. I see that all the exactly. time where companies default to us and they're like, you know, you should know this. You should have all the details. Like you should be the doctor that's providing the prescription. And I'm not saying I don't disagree, but I think we, we need to know the happy medium of how we're working together and where marketing starts and where sales starts or marketing and sales starts. But we need to know that. And it can be unique to every company. 
but I, yeah. I'm just finding that there's such a disconnect that sales and marketing aren't talking. And it's what I have from talking to customers versus what you have from talking to customers are both relevant, great points. But if we don't share that, how the hell are we going to move forward in a meaningful and smarter fashion? Like you were saying, you know, change one thing, test, 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 change one thing. But if, you know, sales is doing one thing and marketing is doing one thing that creates a, you know, yeah. poor environment where you can't trust the, you know, the information you're getting because people are saying different things and you're like, so which is right and which is wrong. Yes. And I, I love that you're talking about the alignment of sales and marketing, because that is so critical. That's, that's really something that has like changed considerably over the last couple of years, partly due to advancements of technology. I mean, you know, HubSpot's been around for a while as an example, but it hasn't got to the point where people are a comfortable using, you know, and then being able to really extract data from it to make different decisions, mm-hmm. all of those things. And if you, you know, there's not, I just want to clarify one thing that you had said, be, talking about like, this is where marketing ends and this is where sales begins. If you can really have them overlap mm-hmm. so that you begin as like me as a marketer and you from sales is like, if we're talking right from the beginning, all the way through everything that we do, and we're in unison, just that alone makes me, you know, X percent more successful as a business. That's a beautiful thing, especially when it's not just generic emails that are marketing setting oh, that's hitting their inbox as you're talking to them. And that, yeah. that's never a fun feeling for anyone. And we talk a lot internally about we as marketers are here to serve the sales team. And we have to, because I mean, the, the belief that it's like, okay, well, you know, if we market, which generally you can talk about as, you know, planning and strategy and, you know, building out the, the objectives and all that kind of stuff. And then advertising, which is actually using the media to, you know, to engage new prospects. Then once the marketing and advertising is there, then it's kind of like, oh, here's your lead. Well, then you got like marketing qualified leads and all these things, which is like, it, it all had a place when these terms were created, but things have changed. You know, the way that people consume information, the way that people evaluate competing products, the way that, you know, people are, are I mean, you, you know, we've talked a little bit about just using Instacart for, you know, buying groceries. I was buying an air conditioner earlier this, this year in the summer that just continued to go on, which was amazing, but I needed a, an air conditioner. And so I first looked on Amazon and I did a bunch of reviews and I was going through my evaluation process. And when I found the air conditioner that I wanted, I was annoyed then that I couldn't buy this from Amazon, right? And so I had to buy it through the manufacturer website. So they're e-commerce enabled and all that kind of stuff. But I have, I have, I've been pre, like I have an expectation now of when I buy something on Amazon, I get an email right away that says, you made this purchase, you know, here's when you're going to get it at your door, almost down to the hour sometimes, right? And, but, but now I buy it from this manufacturing website. And I got no email, you know, six days later, it's like, thank you for your order. I'm like, what? I've already, six days is an eternity, mm-hmm. right? In, in our day and age, right? And so the thing that I'm getting back to is consistency. And, and so what ends up happening is that you could have a bigger competitor that has an inferior product that wins your prospects because they have a consistent process to what people expect when mm-hmm. they're making their purchase. And so the more that we can elevate the consistency of the way businesses operate online by the way that they content produce, by the way that they handle, you know, all of these things like consistency, I think is really number one. And that the only way that you can bring consistency is by having conversations between marketing, sales, leadership, 
you know, production, right? The engineering yeah. team. Like, so, I mean, I'm pretty passionate about this stuff, so I'm just keep on going here. <laughs> but I, I, I really think that that's a big thing that if businesses can just, you know, get a consistent message out there, make sure that the marketing and the advertising that's going out there, the message is aligned with your sales team. So that mm. when they actually do talk with your salesperson, then it's consistent. They're not like, oh, I thought you were a different kind of company and the salesperson's on their own agenda. Yeah, it's like an accelerator. That's the one thing I love when marketing is done well is when it overlaps properly, it's an accelerator and you get more meaningful conversations. You get to go and dive into the real problems. You're not stuck in that superficial cycle that, you know, leads used to give you because they're low intent. They don't actually want to talk to you. They just wanted that case study or they just wanted that work because they were just bettering themselves, but marketing never looked at that. And so I want to yeah. lead into the elephant in the room because everybody keeps talking about 2022 planning and how does sales dev align with account-based marketing or just good marketing. And because so the, I get, I'm getting, you'll see a lot of sales managers watch this and they're wondering, so what do I do? I'm just curious what, how you, if you were to go and eat an elephant one, one bite at a time, how you, how you would tackle <laughs> this if you're talking to a sales manager? Well, I'll, I'll serve up the the other elephant in the room that aligns with this elephant is, is that I think that a lot of times salespeople Im- immediately there's this sort of belief that marketing is sort of like, you know, it's fluffy. There's not a lot of, you know, it's not predictable, you know, where like a, a salesperson generally is very structure oriented. Like I do this and then this happens. And once I do this, then that happens. And then they're like, Oh, these generally the marketing people are kind of just like running off willy nilly. And it's like, oh, yeah, we'll create this beautiful creative thing or, you know, create this beautiful message. But then, you know, I'm not really responsible for an actual sale. So, you know, that's your baby. And so that's what creates the division between marketing and sales. And so (laughs) that's a big, big big elephant. (laughs) I just took a big bite there of it. But that is a, that's a real thing. And I think that's what a lot of people are just not talking about. And so us as marketers, I mean, we use a lot of sales terminology in our marketing because we want to talk to the salespeople mm-hmm. and we want to show that, hey, like marketers are here to serve you. Like we're here to actually help the process rather than just go off and be creative people, which, you know, there's a place for that and good creative and compelling copy and all that stuff is very relevant. But Let's understand ultimately what we're trying to do together and let's work together and let's complement each other because yes, marketing, you know, if I can speak in general generalities, the marketing role is very different than the sales role. Absolutely. You can't really have one without the other to be successful, right? So, I mean, this is more of a psychological response, I guess, but what do you do as a sales manager for 2022? Get aligned with your marketing team. Yeah. Really. I mean, like sit down, have conversations, do weekly meetings, like help each other inform, you know, if I'm a sales manager, I'm going to inform. Here's the process. I mean, I remember years ago that it was a kind of this common thing where big enterprise companies would like you'd do like role changes. Oh yeah. Right. You'd go and sit in somebody else's desk and be their role for what you know however period of time. And it gives you that empathy to understand what that other person is going through. And and so if you can start off 2022 with an empathy, I mean, we always have to remind ourselves, like, you know, it's kind of like, yeah, 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 I did that. But did you, did you really do that? Like, did you really, you know, empathize with what the marketing team is going through because they're getting requests from 18 different people in your company and they're trying to make everybody happy. 
right? Everybody's got their, you know, their sensitivities and their problems and their challenges within their careers and stuff like that, but go and sit down and be empathetic. What, how can I help you? Right. And then it's like, once we have this alignment from a emotional personality perspective, then how are we going to attack this together? Because things have changed, right. You know, at the risk of sort of being, you know, cliche or whatever, but I mean, like every sort of new year, I mean, I almost look at like, we're in the new year sort of right now, you know, September, October is I feel like the business new year, right? Kids are back in school. That means we're able to focus, you know? And so there's, there's just like that, that excite, you know, I know for our business, like, you know, new lead people are searching, like I'm getting, we're getting new leads, September, October, of course, way more than you get July and August, especially this year. It was like beautiful weather. Everybody's out the cabin, whatever they're, you know? And so now it's like, people are getting into the rhythm of things. So if you can understand what your marketing team is going through as a sales team, you know, that's, that's a, that's a catalyst for growth. I would like to see sales managers that are frustrated with their marketing team, invite marketing to sales meetings. If you think that they don't know, open the dialogue. If they don't, you feel like they don't genuinely know the customers, invite them, give them opportunities to be in those meetings, hear them actually talk, but don't just tell them what's going on. That doesn't work. And that's why I love, there's a couple of companies that they make their sales and marketing switch for a certain amount of time where marketing has to go out in the field, a certain amount of yeah. time with sales and sales needs to go and help marketing and do some of the planning for content or whatever for the month, quarter, whatever it may be. And I, I just don't see it enough. And I think that's a big thing, which also aligns with how they're attacking account. How many times is marketing working on a certain you know, set list of accounts and they've built their short list and that's what they're working on based on A, B, and C. And then sales is off over here doing something. And you're like, well, why, why are you there? Why are we here? Why aren't yeah. we working together? Because sales devs should be supporting marketing. They shouldn't be running in different directions. Like you're wasting so many resources doing that. And technology or not, that just doesn't make sense. It's, it's not a good investment. Yeah. I, I love that you brought that up. I think it's, a, it's, it's such an easy thing because if, it, you know, back, back to the, the concept of doing one thing and then seeing how it goes, man, if that one thing can be inviting your marketing person or team or whatever to your sales meetings, internal and external, Right. And that's way that's easier now. I, I mean, I don't, I'm kind of in, you know, a, a, a bit of a remote bubble for a lot of the professional services and customers that we work with. But, you know, it's it's generally if it's remote, your sales conversations, it makes it a lot easier. Yeah. Well, right? even look at how many how many marketing managers now are listening to gong calls. Like we have yeah. so much more access to good raw information, not just sorted information where it's easy to share amongst the teams, you know, marketing, sales and service. That, yeah, marketing, sales, and service. I mean, that is, it's so critical. I was doing the uh, walkthrough of a manufacturing plant and, uh, you know, there was sort of the, the senior engineers who were, you know, PhD level engineers. We're walking through and one of the guys, you know, who, who wasn't a very outgoing from a personality perspective, you know, not super clearly, you know, spoken. You could tell an incredibly smart, you know, person. And there was this, product that was kind of over in the corner and he says that's our testing unit and i said well what is that test and they were a slotted liner company so they built slaughter liners for heavy oil production and they said well that and he goes off on this big tangent about what it does and i, and I said so, so 
I'm understanding that that replicates what's happening 300 meters below the Earth's surface. And he says, and he kind of laughed and he was like, well, I guess you could say that, but it's so much more. And then he goes off on another 20 minutes. It replicates what's happening 300 meters below the Earth's surface so that I, as a production company, don't have to spend millions of dollars to test what's happening by actually going out and drilling 300 meters below the Earth's surface. You're telling me that you can prove that that is the same pressure and all of that kind of stuff. Like, you know, it, that's, that's incredible. Like that's, that's what I mean by when I talk about, you know, you're, you're taking a level seven, you know, in terms of understanding and he's giving me all of this technical detail that I don't really understand, but then I'm going, hang on, that replicates what's happening 300 meters below the surface. So now you're technically accurate. Now, how do you make that compelling? You know what I mean? So it's just, I think, and this particular customer was surprised that, you know, because they were like, well, we're going up those, the manufacturing place was in Leduc and I was in Calgary and they're like, well, we're leaving at five o'clock in the morning and you can certainly join us if you want to. And I was like, perfect, I'll be there. They were blown away. They're like, our marketing partner wants to drive up at five o'clock in the morning up to our manufacturing space. And yeah, because I'm super interested. Yeah. And then, and then out comes this gold from a marketing perspective. Well, there's your differentiation. Huh. So now, your, the slots that you're putting in your liner are three millimeters versus five millimeters because we're now recognizing that the bitumen that's coming in from 300 meters below the surface is a particular size and pressure. And that's what we need to extract the most oil out of the ground. Like, what? This is amazing. You know, and the sales guys are like, when they saw the copy, they're like, what? We can do that. Hell yeah, you can do that. I was just talking to like, you're a senior engineer. And so it's amazing the things that can happen from just, you know, doing the work, like get out there, have the conversations, like do, a, you know, I think a lot of times marketers are kind of just like, well, I'll just sit back and you tell me what your business does and then I'll make it, you know, sound all nice. That's where the term fluffy comes from because you're not getting off your ass and actually trying. Well, sales does that too. They try to cherry pick social selling and they're looking for the perfect message or the perfect pitch or the perfect script and they don't do anything. And I, it always reminds me of posting and you think something is so genius when you put it out there and you write your copy or you shoot that video and you're like, this thing is going to explode. It's so on point. And then nothing crickets, absolutely crickets. And then this stupid half-assed post that you put out about some scenario or something that was bugging you or something that's common sense, you know, in quotation marks and it blows up and you're like, why? And it just goes back to that. You know, so many people are on level seven when they did that beautiful, you know, creative yeah. post, but they went to level one when they did that common sense post. And that common sense is that teaser that gets people to go down that rabbit hole. Yeah. But, but cool. it's so forgotten or it's, and it, it's common. Everybody does this. It doesn't matter what industry you're in. It's so common. And if you don't believe me, go look at social media, look at the posts that aren't doing that well <laughs> in your own <laughs> social media or someone else's. And look at the posts that are doing really well. They're not as technical. They're yeah. talking about emotions. They're connecting with people on a personal level. Yeah. Yeah. And the the mindset of just kind of, you know, thumbing through your LinkedIn feed and, you know, then you, you just, you look at something that has acronyms and, you know, nomenclature that only that particular industry understands. It's like, you, you just so easily skim past it. There's a lot of layers to that because, you know, you don't want to speak in the mind of your consumer. And sometimes your consumers are very technical and they will you know, understand certain acronyms. So it's not a blanket statement, but I just think that, you know, I agree with what you're saying, like take what you're doing and bring it back simplistic. And it's sometimes, I mean, as a marketer, I, I you have to have 
sort of enough courage and confidence to be able to say, this maybe isn't like super groundbreaking when you start thinking about, you know, the latest Budweiser or Coca-Cola commercial that you saw that was just like, whoa, that's so cool. You know, oftentimes in, and certainly in the, in the industrial space is that you just make it super simple but the, in, and be clever in your communication. That's where the compelling piece comes in. But the simplicity oftentimes is so overlooked. It's the teaser that creates the deep dive, that binge, that wanting to know more. It's like people, sales, start trying to start conversations and they do this ungodly long pitch and then they stop <laughs> after five minutes and you're like, oh, you, you want me to talk now about what? Yeah. I didn't care about anything you just said. So what do you want me to say? <laughs> yeah. In our internal meetings, we talk about a bucket full of tennis balls. And if you get the metaphor of like throwing an entire bucket full of tennis balls at you, you might catch one or likely none because you're so overwhelmed. But if I take one tennis ball and throw it at you after another, after another, after another, in 30 seconds, you've caught 12. And oftentimes when we look at sales, marketing, advertising processes that start with one thing, okay, I get it. Next thing, here you go. And that's where the hierarchy, I think, is so critical because you get the, you know, you, and, and it's really good information. If you're like, okay, I'm going to read through this, like I'm pretending I'm in university and I got to push through this because I got to write an exam on it. And I don't like the way that this is written, but I got to do it. Like if you're, you know, super high intent and you want, you'll read through that because you've already read through a whole bunch of other stuff that got you to that point. Mm. Right. So you need to have all of it. It just is, is when, right. If you're doing a little advertisement or a headline on your website or, you know, whatever sort of top of funnel advertising that you're doing, make it really simple. So they're like, Oh, I'm kind of curious. What does that mean? And then they get to the next piece. Oh, that's really interesting. I'm kind of curious. What does that mean? And they go deeper and deeper and deeper. Like people will read a ton of content but it has to be bite-sized so that it, you know, so that you can, it's enjoyable to get through the process. Right. I like, I like that bucket of tennis balls. Cause even with that, you can throw it back. Yeah, even if you point. threw a whole bunch at me, I could, I couldn't throw it back. And I think this is another thing that we've moved away from is conversational marketing or conversational anything we can't. So, you know, I, I switched my strategy and I got too into the transaction and I got a dose of reality to go back to what I used to do when I was doing my best. And that was, inspiring conversations and building relationships. Because what I remembered is that although the way we buy has changed, the way we communicate really doesn't. It's just when we communicate. And so this mm-hmm. is why it's so important for sales and marketing to work together. You know, me and you might be working together with on an account for three, four or five months, but when they reach out to me, they're ready. That's the biggest yeah. difference that people aren't getting here. It isn't people's timelines are too short. They're trying yeah. to go and, you know, win everything this corner, win everything this week. It's, it's yeah. not realistic. It doesn't work that way. And I don't care what software you have. It doesn't do that. People, you know, when I came up with my slogan, you can't move faster than the speed of trust. It yeah. was coming. It came from watching people and how relationships evolve. And I think that if you're not using marketing and you're not playing to the, the game of numbers, you are playing the hardest possible game you ever could. Cause now you're trying to drag people across the finish line. And we've all been to a used car lot. We've all had telemarketers call us that are trying to go and take us where they want us instead of having a conversation. And what are you trying to do? You're looking for the escape route. You're like, holy crap, how can I? Oh, I'm going to have to talk to my wife or, uh, you you know, you're throwing up roadblock after roadblock because you just want to get out or you just hang up. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I just think that there is this, you know, even and I, I get that people, you know, will be searching like, what do I need to do for, you know, 2022 kind of thing. But it's, you know, it really oftentimes just comes like, get back to the basics. And, and then when there's always this sort of desire for the new shiny toy or the new silver bullet that is going to help my business grow in 2022, that like, there's a lot, I mean, we, we work with a lot of companies that, you know, are, are early in their sophistication process in terms of mm-hmm. really developing, you know, the the people process and technology in order to be successful in marketing and sales and revenue growth. And what happens a lot of times is they're coming to us already frustrated because they feel like, oh, well, I tried hiring an internal person. And then I tried hiring an internal leader that would hire internal marketing people. And then I worked with XYZ agency and it you know, didn't work. And so, you know, we're not starting at zero. We're starting at minus 10 in terms of the mm-hmm. trust level. Because it's just like we're lumped in, but it's like, oh, I got to do something. You know, I, 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 and they happen to see and, you know, might be through a referral or whatever, but they're like, okay, is this going to be different? And so as we walk through, we start pointing out this is why a lot of times this doesn't work. And it, you might have had a really good marketing person, but you didn't have a process that they could work within and you didn't have technology that they could really work with. A timeline that, gave them opportunity to create opportunity. <laughs> yeah. And so then who gets blamed? The person. person. It's not the person's fault, right? Like, and so that's where I think a lot of this is that, you know, be like, decide on something. And oftentimes it really almost doesn't even matter what that something is. Just pick something and be consistent with that for a while. That's really hard. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know how many times it's like, okay, I'm going to really focus on, you know, LinkedIn strategy for a while. And I'm going to do this and this and this. And then, you know, some new client comes in or some, you know, birdie flies over. This is going to be way better, right? Like, so we all experience these types of things and it's, you know, don't bite off more than you can chew, but just chew consistently, get through that, then evaluate it after three, six months, not after three, six weeks, which a lot of people, a lot of business leaders will push their marketing and salespeople. Yeah. It's like, okay, it didn't work. We got to go change it. And it's, it's funny because I mean we just uh, we just employed this OKR model and you know it's quarterly rocks and I mean there, there's all these different you know gazelles theories and all these different yep. things that are all very good and there's but it's funny because all of them are kind of like new versions of the same thing but it's like people don't want to buy a book from 2017 they want to buy a book for 2022 because yep. things are different right but it's like it's really like gets back to the same thing where it's just like. Yes, there are tasks that we do on a weekly basis. And yes, there are goals that we have on a monthly and quarterly basis. And for sure, but be consistent, you know, with whatever you're doing. And I think, you know, the consistency in terms of what we can look towards doing in 2022, I don't think sales and marketing alignment could have worked as easily. No, the technology has made it so much easier. And I think actually being remote. And having access at not any time, but like almost any time has made a big difference on what you yeah, can do. Absolutely. I would like to circle back on one thing because I think it's so critical and I haven't heard anybody talk about it enough. And that's knowing what accounts you're going after. You were saying like, how do you build that list? And I talked to a lot of sales teams and they're like, yeah, well, we're, you know, this is our persona. Cool. What accounts are you tackling? What's the chain of command? Who specifically are you talking to? What's your cadence? Well, I don't know. Well, maybe, you know, for 2022, we just need to see more people have, you know, what are your two or three levers that you're going to be pulling on for 2022? Is it LinkedIn, YouTube, website? 
Is it a live yeah. show? Is it like pick, pick a few things and then yeah. just know your accounts. And then like you were saying, like sales and marketing need to talk. Okay. So you're this week, you're going to focus on what five accounts, one account, and this is how you're going to work it as a team. And yeah, I mean, we, we have a, a pretty, pretty focused ideal customer profile. We, you know, there's, there's arguably some similarities between personas and ideal customers. But for us, when you talk about an ideal customer, it, it's, it's real, right? Like this is a, a customer that we were most successful with and we sold them this product. Mm. Okay. Let's, cause a lot of our clients, they have, you know, five, 10, 15, 20 products but they'll have one front runner and they'll be like, well, oftentimes they won't market that one front runner because it's like, it's already working. No, no, take that one, right? Like let's take that one and let's learn from that. And your ideal customer that you were the most profitable with, that were the most happy, you know, all of these things, there's criteria, but man, I can tell you the most, the coolest thing happens when you don't have to spend a huge amount of money. I mean, I think we've spent like $300 or something like that on our LinkedIn and advertising, but it was really cool. Like to me, I mean, if you just think about, well, okay, is LinkedIn going to bring your more organic stuff higher because you're giving them money on your advertising? There's a big hell yes there. Right. So, I mean, if you're just trying to get your organic going and you're not paying anything, you know, it's just the way that we operate as professionals, right. As business, you can hate it, whatever, capitalism, whatever. But point of the matter is if I'm paying LinkedIn for some advertising and promoting stuff, are they going to bring all of my stuff a little higher in the priority? Yes, it will. Love it or hate it, that's the way it goes. So I now go on my LinkedIn advertising and you know my campaign manager, and I can now see, I, I could go on there right now and I could rhyme off 27 companies that have seen my brand and seen our product of our industrial marketing system, which is people, process, and technology. It's a monthly rate. You know, We get you into market in eight weeks, and then we start optimizing based on what we're learning. Right. It's it's a simple like we productized it. And now I can go and I can have the sales team go, okay, here's 27 people in your ABM list. Go after them. Right. And there's at least a little bit of warmth there because they'll see clear motive and they're like, oh yeah, I saw it. Right. And so, you know, that's that to me is a is a really important thing of how you build your list. Just like throw a quarter in the gumball machine, man. Like you know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like you gotta, you gotta pay to play. I mean, sure. You can, you can find lists or buy lists and all this kind of stuff, email newsletters, try and do everything you can sort of for free, but do a little, a little bit of money goes a long way in the advertising world. Right? And, and you now get like, now I've got 27 companies that I never would have been able to sort of find apart from spending a little bit of advertising money. I think LinkedIn even gives it away right now. Like they're giving hundred dollars, $200. I don't, I don't know what the going promotion is, but they give that away because they want you to test anyways. So why not take advantage of it? 2022, if that's anything, if you just build stronger account lists, I, years ago, I had a manager that told me that my account list would determine 60, 40 to 60% of my success. He's like, you can be as good as you want to be, but depending on the quality of the people that you're targeting will depend on how successful you are. And I just got reminded of this in the past month. And it was almost like that, what, you know, that stupid should have had a V8 or, you know, you know what I mean? Like, oh, like I really yeah. got to go back to the basics because the basics are fundamental. You need them. Yeah. And if you try to run away with them, chasing the shiniest thing, it will not work. So yeah. it's it, it really, honestly, I mean, I would like to say it's not that hard. I mean, I get it. You know, if you kind of haven't done it before and all of that kind of stuff, like there's there's a lot more sort of emotional barriers, I think, than or psychological barriers than 
you know, we probably give it credit, but it really like just start to start. And if you, you know, if you need some help, call you, call me, you know, find us, but just start, you know, get, get on it. So, cause now I actually have some data that now I can, you know, I've got a few levers in my marketing of what I can decide to, you know, Hey, that's, I really like that particular industry. I'm going to throw a couple more quarters in there. And it really, I mean, once you get going, it, it, you don't, it, we're not talking about, you know, I mean, depending on the size of your business, of course, but we're not talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars. No. You know, like you can really get some really good information from a, like a small media spend. And then once you start, then all of a sudden now you're hooked, right? Because like I, like I said at the beginning of the podcast, like I'm like a kid in a candy store. I'm like looking through all these things and now I can, you know, check all these drop downs. And now I've got like, I've got some levers that I can pull. I mean, well, I'm going to take that person out and I'm going to focus more money on this type of role. I'm going to focus on this geographic location because we seem for whatever reason to be getting more uptick in there. Like mm-hmm. that's fun stuff rather than, you know, just like, oh, well, I guess we got to put out a post or write an article, right? Like that's, that's hard stuff. But once you, you know, get through it and start developing it, once you start, you won't stop. And it's easy when you know who you're talking to as well. Like you were saying before, the hardest thing is sitting there and writing a generic email. Oh, you know, I got to go and write that email. That's a lot easier. So you got to challenge those assumptions and make sure we're working on good information. Did you have any closing comments that you would like to make to whether it's a little bit more tactical or we went over a lot of stuff and I feel like there's a lot that'll help everybody get started, whether it's 2022 or now, because if you're not working on it now, Q1 is going to be a little, little tough. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing. And first of all, thank you for the invite to, to, to speak. I I just, I, there's so much that you can learn, you know, just start researching and, and, and so for your, you know, for as sales or marketing professionals, there's so much to learn. And the more you learn and more you specialize on one particular type of focus, the deeper you can go. Specialization is, is so key in terms of your audience group and your ideal customers. You know, we focus on just pick one product, your best product, and find your best customer, your ideal customer. And let's start with a landing page, get people to that landing page, start downloading some content. And then you can start growing on it, optimizing it, building it, you know, going deeper. People are researching and evaluating and justifying their purchases different than they used to. So learn more about it, you know, and yeah, I I just, I'm really excited about the way things are going in terms of it actually, I think in a lot of ways is getting easier because you've got more consistency with businesses and, you know, get yourself to a certain level so that you're not just getting beat out by your bigger competitors that might have an inferior product to you. Great closing. Thank you very much. You know, I, I really appreciate your time today and us having this conversation. I think it's going to help a lot of people. And if anybody has any more questions or concerns, please throw it in the comments. Me and Chad will go and respond back to you. Worst case yeah. scenario, I'll go and field it to Chad. Say, hey, we got a we got a really good question. We need to go and dive into this a little bit. So don't don't feel afraid. Don't don't feel afraid to go and approach us and happy selling everyone. Thank you so much, Nick. I appreciate it. Hey everyone. Thanks for listening to this episode of the B2B Power Hour podcast. Make sure to subscribe to catch all of our upcoming episodes and we'll see you next time.